0: I want to welcome all of y'all to this first men's lunch of the year 2022. I'm Brian McGreevy. I'm one of the clergy here at St. Phillips, and it is our joy to be able to sponsor these gatherings each month. Uh, we will be continuing to have these each month uh, as we look toward the summer, and then we'll go on break for a little bit in the summer. You will notice that we are not on the first Wednesday uh, because we are too close to New Year's for that, but we will go back to the first Wednesday in February. And we will continue to have a variety of speakers who are united by their deep faith in Jesus Christ and their Uh, desire to share testimony to his work. For those of you that were not here last time to hear Chris Singleton, uh, I would strongly encourage you to go back and listen uh, to his testimony and then the one before that from Jimmy Haygood, um, both really powerful times of hearing the way that God has intervened and worked in someone's life. And so today we are privileged to get to hear from my friend Mark Finley. Mark and his wife, Kieran, have recently come to Charleston. They are both natives of Belfast, Northern Ireland, and uh, they are, to me, almost like mythical creatures because, as he says, they come from the land of Narnia, um, and they are Uh, from exactly the neighborhood where C.S. Lewis grew up and was born, went to the church where Lewis's uh, grandfather was the rector and all of that. So uh, if you like Lewis trivia, he is a great person. To talk with. But that is not why we wanted to have him come today. Mark has a very interesting background. He was a very successful businessman, um, doing a lot of real estate development. He was a commissioner of the Port of Belfast, which is one of the great ports of the world. Uh, he was involved with politics, with the working with the UK Parliament and other groups. And his life took a turn when he was part of the delegation from Northern Ireland coming to the National Prayer Breakfast in Washington, D.C. And I don't know how many of you have been privileged to attend the National Prayer Breakfast. I've been privileged to go a couple of times. It is quite a remarkable gathering. And there is a, a tremendous network of Christian leaders with a heart, for the gospel, not just in this country, but uh, reaching out to other countries around the world. And Mark was part of the delegation from Northern Ireland coming to that event. Through that, he met many of the leaders of the National Prayer Breakfast. And because of Mark's work Uh, in the Northern Ireland peace process and some other things, he and his wife, Karen, were strongly encouraged to pray about whether the Lord might be leading them to come to Washington and to begin to do a work of ministry in that place of walking alongside leaders in not only the government of the United States, but governments around the world in prayer and discipling ministry. Uh, They run an organization called Leaders and Followers, uh, so involved in many, many different areas of ministry, and we are delighted that they have come to Charleston and have become part of our St. Philip's family here, and I'm excited to hear what Mark is going to share with us today. So please welcome Mark Finley.
1: Good afternoon. Uh Thank you, Brian. Well, uh, you know, all the glory and honor goes to God for I hate it when people read bios. uh, Thank you, you, Brian. Um, That once great uh, quarterback, Russell Wilson, uh, had a life verse, which is uh, John 3.30, that he must become greater and I must become less. So that is my prayer for all of us, and it's my prayer for myself uh, today. Not to us, but to your name be the glory, Lord. So, um, my best friend having moved to the United States is a man called Mark McIntyre. and Mark was speechwriter to President George Herbert Walker Bush. And so when you're asked to speak, and I occasionally am, you know, you turn to the expert. Uh, to ask for guidance, to ask for advice. And Mark said, remember, the average person delivers speech at a rate of 125 uh, words per minute. So, you know, if you're slated to speak for 30 minutes, that's 3,750 words. And he said, but remember, the Gettysburg Address was 272 words. Tell me again why your talk needs to be longer than that. (laughs) Mark's other great sage advice when you're speaking is, never start at the beginning. So where to start? I could talk about and tell you about why we moved to Charleston following our daughter who's graduated twice from the College of Charleston and now teaches fourth grade in the Mitchell School here. I could tell you about how when Karen and I moved here, we followed advice from one of our mentors who said, just go and see what Jesus is doing. And that led us to come to St. Philip's. And we were hooked at the door by Bruce Freshley, who's one of the most persuasive ushers I have ever come across over these years. And then afterwards by the redoubtable Brian McGreevy. So we have been thrilled and blessed to come here. And clearly Jesus is doing something in this city and in this place amongst you men and your families. So we're thrilled to be here. Thank you for having us. I could tell you more about what Brian has spoken about in terms of C.S. Lewis heritage and how our daughter used to sleep over in what was C.S. Lewis's home and played in the room where the wardrobe was. If any of you are from Wheaton College, any Wheaton College graduates here? Okay. I always tell Wheaton College graduates, we want the wardrobe back. (laughs) Anyway, I am named Mark after St. Mark's Church, where his grandfather was the rector. And where Aslan was the door handle to the rectory. I could tell you more about that. I could tell you more about Karen and my involvement with the C.S. Lewis Institute, being fellows of that institute, and the new chapter of the C.S. Lewis Institute that has started here in the city. Are any of you graduates of the Citadel? I could tell you the big announcement coming up about the new C.S. Lewis program at the Citadel and how we will be looking for mentors to work with young men. I could tell you more about my childhood in Belfast, growing up in the Troubles. If any of you have watched Kenneth Branagh's movie Belfast recently, you'll have got a sense of what I grew up in and that, at that time, where my first week at school at the age of four, I was evacuated every day for a bomb scare where for my whole schooling we had tape on the windows, like in the Second World War, to stop flying glass in the event of a bomb. I could tell you about as a seven-year-old child being ushered to the back gate because terrorists had impaled a man on the railings at the front of our school and tarred and feathered him, deeming him to be a police informant. They crucified him on the railings of my school. I could tell you more about that. I don't like to talk about that, but I could tell you more about it. I could tell you about, as a child, attending Christian Union at my school. I don't like to talk about the troubles. I could tell you about learning what it was to have a personal relationship with Jesus and having a mentor in my life, a man just like any of you, other than my father. My father's a great man and much involved in his church, but it oftentimes is another man who is the mentor and the influential person in the life of a young child growing up. I could tell you about that man and what he means to me to this very day. I could tell you about getting involved in the peace process as a businessman, feeling called to do something with my hands in the way that I could. I was building buildings and regenerating cities and raising up age-old foundations and restoring streets with dwellings in communities where there was division. I could tell you about being asked to chair a committee post our Good Friday peace agreement, and that group was made up by former combatants of different colors and types. That is diplomatic language for former terrorists to some people, community leaders to others. As Brian's indicated, I can tell you a little bit more about how that ultimately God used my involvement in that area to connect me to political leaders and how ultimately that brought me to the United States, how I came home to Karen and Grace in Belfast from a trip to Washington to the prayer breakfast and said, three people individually said to us, I've got a crazy idea. You should come to the United States, learn what it is to be a disciple, learn what it is to be an ambassador of reconciliation and get more involved in this work. And of course, Karen's response was, yeah, sure, (laughs) but how we watched how God did all the things necessary to make it possible, and how we have seen miracle after miracle uh, to make it possible for us to be here. I could tell you that my mentor in encouraging me to come to the U.S. said, come with No agenda. We all have agendas. Come with no agenda. Set aside your personal agenda. So I did not come to Washington DC expecting to be involved with members of Congress, to have the privilege of walking with them and serving them as their friend in a Ministry of Availability. I could tell you how it happened, being involved with in a police incident with a homeless man. Another story for another day. I could tell you about checking in through security at the Capitol at 5.30 in the morning on January 6th last year, because I said to the members of Congress, would you mind if I just came in to pray? I could tell you about being evacuated a number of times during that day, and being holed up with members of Congress when they were ushered out of the chamber. But I am not going to tell you that. I could tell you how my work with leaders has led me to other capitals and other places in other countries, and how I have been privileged to meet with rulers and leaders in other places the United Arab Emirates and Jordan. We were talking about Andrew, we were talking about Jesus' baptism. I have stood at that place with the leaders of Jordan. I can tell you about the United Arab Emirates, I can tell you about the Balkans, I can tell you about Europe. But I'm not gonna tell you that story. Where am I gonna start? I was a um, typical college graduate preparing to go into the business world. I was excited to launch out in a career and I was like a coiled spring ready to go out and do my thing Overwound up. Working under an inspirational business leader, the man who I have the highest admiration for, who came from nothing to become a billionaire, who would send me out and wind me up again. He was a Yorkshireman. He used to say, Mark, go and sort it out. <laughs> Do you get the tone? I sorted it out. I was a piece of work, I think that's the term we would use. And then the Lord started to chase me, because whilst I had been a 15-year-old who'd come to know what it was to have a personal relationship with Jesus, through into my mid-twenties, I wasn't pursuing the Lord. I mean, sure, I was going to church, but was I putting God first? Was I loving the Lord with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul? No. I was not. And he started to pursue me. C.S. Lewis talks about the hound of heaven. Others have written on the hound of heaven. C.S. Lewis talked about... How God was fishing for him and hunting for him. But of course, the real story is God's patience. (laughs) He was patient with me. He was kind in his pursuit of me, giving me second chance, third chance, fourth chances, more chances than I ever deserved. He pursued me with Romans 12. Well, how, how did he do that? You would, how does God pursue somebody with a scripture? We had an apartment in Edinburgh. We lived in Belfast. We had an apartment in Edinburgh and London and other places we would go to different days of the week. 10 years I lived out of the overhead locker of an aircraft. I uh, would go to Charlotte Baptist Chapel in Edinburgh when we were in that city. And when I was there, they would preach on Romans 12. The next Sunday, I would be in Ireland in another church. Guess what? They would preach on Romans 12. I uh, got into a difficult situation with some politicians in Scotland one time it was the only time in my career that my face did not fit with the particular group of politicians. And I was not used to that, because I was used to being the person who brought people together. And I did not cope with it at all well. And I, was, I let myself down, I let my company down in how I responded to the situation. I got back on the plane from from Edinburgh to Belfast after having been admonished by my chairman for my lack of professionalism in handling a difficult situation. I was angry at myself. I went home and Karen was making the dinner, Grace was young and playing on the floor, and I was thumping through the television channels. You know the way you do? not satisfied with anything. Next thing, I have Joyce Mayer admonishing me on Romans 12. <laughs> we had a beautiful home where we lived in, in County Down in Hollywood, famous because Rory McElroy comes from Hollywood and he went to my daughter's school. Anyway, our home, the architect designed it with a beautiful curved wall around the garden, and that curved wall unwound itself in our kitchen. But what that did was it created this well at the front of the house where the wind would blow down the street and all of the garbage, we would say rubbish, of the day would blow in into the vortex in the middle, into a perfect little pile right in the middle in front of our front door. I came home one night, windscreen wipers going on my windshield because it was pouring with rain. It happens in Ireland. And there in the headlights was a pile of rubbish in front of our house. You know, the McDonald's packet, the other bits and pieces. And I got out and I wasn't happy because I was getting wet and picking it up before I parked my car. And there in the midst of it was a piece of paper. And it it had run. The ink had run in the rain. And it had been chewed by vermin around the edge. It was Romans 12 (laughs) therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifice as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God this is your true and proper worship different translations different emphasis on the words spiritual act of worship Give of yourself as a living sacrifice. The word in the original scripture is logikos, from which we get logical. To give of ourselves as a living sacrifice is the logical thing to do. Whew! It changed my life. And if anybody wants to have a one piece of paper to fold up and put in their wallet to walk around with them. They can't bring the, the Bible with them. Bring Romans 12. Just look at it, everything that it says in there. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by renewing your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve God's will is good and pleasing. His, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Then the one for me, of course, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. I really enjoyed, um, is it Jimmy Hagood's uh, talk um, about humility? Men, it doesn't come easy to us. It certainly doesn't come easy to me. There's another line in there which says, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love. The King James Version talks about in honor preferring one another. Let me tell you, I've seen this love in this church by the way. It's one of the encouragements to Karen and I. The scripture goes on, do not be proud. And as far as it depends on you to live at peace with everyone. You're all good Philippians. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others What great words, how do we put them into practice? C.S. Lewis talks about the great sin. Pride. Pride is feeling superior to others. Pride is the root of racism, of sexism, and every ism there is. C.S. Lewis talked about Pride, self-conceit, is the utmost evil. Pride leads to every other vice. Pride, Pride is in competition with everybody else's pride. Man, we're a competitive bunch of people. And that vein of pride in us is not a helpful thing when we let it loose. And C.S. Lewis talked about pride in the context of people searching for power. Pride and power, eh? I walk with the powerful. They're my friends. I pray for them. I seek to encourage them. It's a privilege. It's not a job. It's a privilege. I also love the piece of it where he referred, C.S. Lewis referred to, the phantom God. How we imagine how God approves us and thinks us far better than ordinary people. Whew, I have some work to do on this issue. I was looking back in some of my notes and my notebooks. I have, I have 30 years of notebooks in a box. Go back and look over your old notes. It's wonderful to be reminded about what God is doing in your life and how he is leading and how he has turned up time and again. But it's also good to track with your own transformation. Be transformed by renewing your mind and how easily we slip back into old habits. I know it's coming towards the end. I want to just touch on one other thing in terms of the aspect of the work that I get involved with. Having come from Ireland and being involved in peace and reconciliation, the world talks about peace and reconciliation, like peaches and cream. They put them together when you hear it on the news. Peace and reconciliation. Well, of course, God's model is completely different. God's model is reconciliation that leads to peace the other way around. Like everything, it's the other way around with God. I I have a wonderful mentor and friend, Jim Hiskey, who uh, was the founder of the CS Lewis Institute, along with Jim Houston. And Jim's also the founder of the PGA Golf Tour Fellowship. He was a professional golfer on the tour. He has encouraged me greatly. And one time I was in Hollywood on a Sunday evening, and Jim was in Annapolis in Maryland, and he called me on the Sunday evening. And I thought he might be calling because Rory had won in the golf that day or something. We often would talk about golf as well as, as, well as talking about Jesus. Don't misunderstand. Jesus... Uh, Jim said to me, quick, go get your Bible, quick. I ran up the stairs to my bedroom, and he said, quick, open it up. Second Corinthians five, don't you see? You're in it. What, and he started to And he read me into it. Now, of course, that passage from verse 11 starts with, if you are out of your mind, as some say, it is for God. (laughs) But later on, Jim read and said, though Mark Finley once regarded Christ in this way, he does so no longer. Therefore, if Mark Finley is in Christ, The new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. This is from God who reconciled Mark Finley to himself through Christ and gave Mark Finley the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them, And he has committed to Mark Finley the message of reconciliation. Mark Finley is therefore Christ's ambassador as though God were making his appeal through him. We therefore implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. I once met with a fundamentalist religious leader who said to me, we are not called to reconcile man to man. I once had an encounter with a homeless man on Capitol Hill in the middle of a police incident who said, we are not called to reconcile man to man. And I said, you know, you're right. Second Corinthians five, we are called to be reconciled with God. And therefore, we are given a ministry of reconciliation. And it is our job, men. You can have your name, read your name in to this passage. Do what Jim did for me. Read somebody else's name in to this passage. We are all called as ambassadors of reconciliation on Christ's behalf, imploring people, to be reconciled with God. And we know this as ambassadors. When I go into a room in Washington, doesn't matter whether it's the White House, the House of Representatives, the Senate, or any capital or palace in any other part of the world, we, in humility, as Jimmy so beautifully just talked about it, carry the highest rank in the room. We carry the highest rank in the room, and it is our job to act as ambassadors. And what's the difference in closing between an ambassador and a politician? Well, in politics they have a whip, which is to try and whip the rebels into line with party position on topics yet the whips fail miserably as all of the politicians like to profess their own views and say what they say so often we see it doesn't matter which channel on the television we watch an ambassador only speaks the words that are given to him or her by the one who sent them. Jesus himself said, I did not speak on my own, but the father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. He went on, the words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Yet, of course, we remember Jesus said, All authority in heaven and earth is given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. So he still was yielding to his father's authority in saying this. And then I think one of my favorite passages of scripture, some people call it the high priestly prayer, where Jesus is talking with his father, our father, about us and again he said i gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them sanctify them by your truth your word is truth sometime another time brian i'd love to share about how god has called karen and i to have a home here in Charleston that we're calling an Acts 28 home, where we may be able to bring leaders and others who God has given us. Four times in John 17, Jesus said, the ones you gave me. Men, work with the ones he has given you, your family, your co-workers, the people that you walk with, and be blessed by that at the end of Acts 28, it's said that the Gentiles will come and they will listen. Well, we've heard recently from the pulpit, you know, this message is for everyone, Jew, Gentile, Muslim, Hindu, everyone. They will come and they will listen. And Paul stayed in his own home for two years. And what did he do? He proclaimed the kingdom of God. And he taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And where did he do it? Around the dining table. All the way through the Acts of the Apostles, we see a home-to-home ministry. And we see people breaking bread and giving thanks together. It is my honor and privilege to be able to do that in Washington and other capitals with the people that God has given us. And I pray that God will enable us. He will enable us because he's come through for us time and time again to have a home in Charleston where we might do this. Hopefully some of you will come and we will break bread together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Thank you for listening. I thank you for being such a welcoming family, such a welcoming congregation. It has been a privilege for Karen and I to become part of it. and We hope we will be here for a while longer. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Mark. You've given us a lot to think about and that great word about the ministry of reconciliation and the words that God has given us and the people that God has placed in our lives. Let me close us with a word of prayer and a blessing. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word and for the way that it speaks so powerfully to us and all of the circumstances of our lives. We thank you for that powerful chapter of Romans 12 and that great call to no longer be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we may prove what the will of God is, what is true and acceptable and perfect. Lord, I pray for each one of us here today that you would help us in this new year to lean into the things that Mark has shared with us today, that we would be ambassadors on your behalf. Lord, I pray for each man here today that in the quietness of their heart in those places of need that are known to you alone, Lord, that you would meet them there and that you would work your healing and your grace in their lives. Lord, we pray that you would use us as ambassadors for your kingdom. And now receive this blessing. May the peace of the Lord, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, the Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you always. Amen. Thank you all so much for coming. We look forward to seeing you next time.